0: Hey, go. Hey. Slendy. Hey, go. Hey. Slendy.
1: Hey. Hit it up. The park, Hit it up. The park, Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem. anthem. To the bottom of the night. i am in. Hey. Slendy. Hey hey. Slendy. Hey hey. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey,
0: go. Slendy. Hey. You already know what's up. What's that? Uh, another homer. Run? run? But you know the job ain't done. Yeah. Till we hold that trophy up. Hey.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 424 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is July 7th, 2023. The Padres, they are about to take on the New York Mets this weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Peco Park. It's obviously the final series before the All-Star break. And it's looking like it's going to be a pretty entertaining series. The Mets, they're playing better. The Padres, they're playing better, but let's be honest, this was not what we expected going into this Mets Padres series at the beginning of the year. We weren't expecting to be sitting here previewing a New York Mets San Diego Padres series where both of them have the same record. Both teams are 41 and 46 this season. We were thinking, oh, maybe World Series matchup, or not World Series, NLCS preview. That's what we were thinking, but it just has not panned out that way. Now things can change. Teams, both teams, can go on a run, and some of the wild card teams can drop, and both teams can find a way into the postseason. But as of now, to be honest, I would be surprised if both teams found a way to make the postseason. And my question that I posed to the audience here, live on YouTube, or if you're watching this on replay, put it in the comments on YouTube, or. You can tag me on social media at Talking Friars. Um, also, the podcast platform, if you're listening. Again, just go on social media or go in the YouTube comments. Let me know your answer to this question. If you were on the Mets or if you were on the Padres or the GM of either team or a fan of the team, you're associated with one of these two teams, which would you rather be right now? Would you rather be the Mets or would you rather be the Padres? Essentially, which team do you think has the better shot at making the postseason. Both teams, obviously, again at 41 and 46. And both teams going into the series, there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. And I'll give my answer here in a little bit. But like, look at just the similarities here in the standings. They have the same record. Now, games back in the division, Padres in the National League West, eight and a half games back, six and a half back for the Mets in the national league East. They're also six game, six and a half games back in the wild card, just like the Padres are six and a half games back run differential. Padres actually edged the Mets by 34 runs plus 35 runs for the Padres plus one run for the Mets projected wins 83 for the Padres, according to fan graphs and 82 for the Mets. So, They're expecting these two teams to be around the same spot. Now, does 83 wins get the Padres into the postseason? I don't think so. I'm thinking more like the 87 win, that number there. New York Mets, 82 wins. That doesn't get them into the postseason. So if that happens and both teams get to 83, 82 wins, I would think that those two teams aren't like big sellers at the deadline. It's pretty much the same team intact. And maybe these teams play a little bit better. Because the Padres would have to play a little bit better to get to. They'd have to play much better to get to 87 wins. I think they'd have to play a little bit better to get to the 83 win number. Uh, than obviously where they're at right now, they're five games under 500 to get to 83. That's what how many over is that to finish the season? That's four games over, I think, to finish the season. So you're going to have to play better. Uh, But you got to play even better than that to make the postseason. If if these two teams get to 83, 82 wins respectively, Padres and Mets, that's a failure of a season. It's a winning record, but that's not what the expectations were for these two teams going into the season. No way. And both teams, you know, this series, it's going to be entertaining. Both teams, they've been playing better. The New York Mets, they just swept the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've won five games in a row now. And the Padres—they've won three games in a row. Obviously, they swept the Angels. Now, like I said on the show the other day, Angels. After the series, after that series was over on Wednesday night, yeah, I mean, props to the Padres, but we know the Angels—they were not at full strength. This was not the best Los Angeles Angels team, and so you got to take that sweep with a grain of salt, I guess. Um, you can be excited about it and think that, all right, they're rolling, but. Let, let's see how they do against the Mets here. Now the Mets aren't be- aren't the best team in baseball, but I think it's still a better measuring stick series than the Angels, even though the Angels have Shohei Otani. Just because the Mets they're healthier, they are playing better than the Angels were going into this series. You know, so they have Verlander and Scherzer pitching uh, in this series, and the Padres they have Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove pitching in this series. So yeah, I think it's going to be a good measuring stick series going. Into the all star break, let's see what some people are thinking here in the chat. Like, again, to my question, who would you rather be the Mets or the Padres? Like, essentially, who do you think is going to have the better shot? Who do you think has the better shot at making the postseason right now? Um, let's see here. Devin says Padres have the slight upper hand, in my opinion. You can debate with me if you want, but the Padres have the more talented offense and starting pitching. Mets are slightly worse than the Padres. Justin says Padres for sure. Greasy Stranglers uh, says we're heating up Padres for sure. Jesse says their division is tougher. I'll give the Padres the upper hand on this one. Tupac 13 says for me, Padres, no matter what. Devin says Mets clearly have a better catcher than the Padres, but everything else I believe the two are very, very similar when you look at it as a whole, yeah, I think both teams are similar. Like I think both teams would say that their offense has been underwhelming this year. I think though, with the pitching, sure. There's been some underwhelming pitching for the Padres this year, but they've had to deal with more injuries than the Mets have. You look at the injuries and this is part of what will make me answer here. My answer to this question, would I rather be the Padres or the Mets? And this isn't just me talking as a as a biased Padres fan, it's me just looking at this, looking at the comparisons here. I'm I'm gonna go with the Padres. I'd rather be the Padres than the Mets right now, and part of it is because of the guys that will be coming back. The bullpen, it's had struggles for the Padres as of late. I get that, but part of it, maybe some over usage for like Tim Hill, Nick Martinez. Those are two guys that really come to mind. Also, there's some guys that probably shouldn't even be on this roster. Just saying it as it is because some injuries have happened. They've had to be on this roster and they've had to, to be used in some situations, Um, but the rotation's been good. But the, the, the real issue for the Mets is the pitching. We'll get to that here in a little bit. The notable absences for both teams, Robert Suarez, we'll start with the Padres, Robert Suarez, 60 day IL, obviously the elbow issue. Hopefully he comes back. I don't think right after the all-star break, but a little bit after the all-star break. He's one of the best relievers in baseball. At least that's what he was the last time we saw him pitch in a meaningful game, right? Drew Pomerantz, 60-day IL elbow. I shouldn't even include that in a notable absence, to be honest. I don't know why I did that because we shouldn't expect Drew Pomerantz to do anything for the Padres for the rest of time. Um, but so, Robert Suarez, Stephen Wilson, 15-day IL pec strain. He should be coming back right after the All-Star break. So, he's one of the high-leverage relievers for the, for the Padres you look at the Padres relievers right now who are the high leverage guys probably Josh Hader Tom Cosgrove and is it Nick Martinez is it Luis Garcia is it Tim Hill how confident are we are we in those three guys right so getting Stephen Wilson back should definitely help and he will be inserted as one of the three high leverage guys along with Hader and with Cosgrove Cosgrove has definitely earned it uh Michael Waka 15 day IL with the shoulder he's been pitching really well He is probably outperformed his contract, or at least the money that he's getting paid this year for the Padres. Um, Luis Camposano, let's not forget about him. 60 day IL there thumb strain. He just started a rehab assignment. So he's probably going to be out for a while. Um, I don't know. Should we expect him back at some point in July? Maybe, but to be safer, probably early August. I just, I don't know how long I say early August because I just don't know how long this rehab assignment is going to take for Luis Camposano because he is the catcher. This isn't like he's playing the outfield or whatever, like it's a thumb spring. So I think it was a thumb spring. He had surgery on it, right? So this is pretty serious. And if he's just starting a rehab assignment, he's not catching full nine innings for him to come back. He's going to have to be able to show the Padres that he can consistently catch nine innings game after game, after game, um, now, when he comes back, I don't know if the Padres will have him start every day, but you probably don't want to carry three catchers. So when Campy comes back, is it Nola that's going to be gone? Is it Gary Sanchez that's going to be gone? We'll see. Uh, I think Padre fans would hope it's Austin Nola, but who knows? Who knows if Gary gets hurt or if he really struggles at the plate and the Padres are just still comfortable with Nola? Who the heck knows? But still, Campasano when he comes back, That should help the team. We know Waka, when he comes back, hopefully, this isn't like a severe injury it doesn't look like. This is just having him take an extended break, use the all-star break. Uh, But that'll help. Steven Wilson will help the bullpen. And if Robert Suarez can come back and pitch like Robert Suarez, like he did last year, at the end of last year, when he was one of the best relievers in baseball, this will be a huge, huge uh, positive impact to this Padres bullpen to this Padres team and the Mets they just don't have that coming back they don't have you know they're Robert Swar, as you could say like Edwin Diaz their closer is he coming back this year like what is the latest I should probably have looked that up what's the latest on Edwin Diaz the timetable because I did see him throwing at Citi Field three weeks ago it says uh, that New York uh, New York Mets closer Edwin Diaz was seen playing catch at Citi Field. Yeah, that, three weeks ago. That's it. So he's getting closer to a possible return, but it doesn't look like it's as sure of a thing that he's going to return this year as it is with Robert Suarez. Um, so okay, they have him coming back, but their only other injured guy is Jose Quintana. 60 IL rib injury who was supposed to be in the rotation. So like, I guess maybe this isn't the safe thing to do, but I'm banking on the Padres injured players coming back and really helping this team. Like the Padres, they're, they're less of a complete team right now than the New York Mets are. And so the Mets being more complete, they have the same record as the Padres 41 and 46. Oh, and they have the Atlanta Braves in their division, like kiss the division. You you could kiss the division. Goodbye for the Padres as well. But like, is it, I, I think that's fair for me to note the injuries and be like, well, Robert Swartz and Steven Wilson and Michael Walker, like, those are huge pieces, can be huge pieces for the Padres in the second half of the season if those guys can be healthy. The Mets, it's almost like, yeah, I mean, this is your team and you're at the same record as the Padres are, right? And now Padres offensively, we can get to the offense. Offensively, this is their team. They need to be better. But the Mets can say the same thing. Like, this is their team offensively. They need to be better. And if we're looking at the two offenses, which I'll do here in a little bit, look at the two offenses. Which offense do you believe has the potential? You know, who has the higher ceiling, I guess, right? I guess that's a popular phrase among scouts. Who has that higher ceiling among these two lineups? And I think Padre fans know that the Padres probably have that higher ceiling. Um, I'll get to the chat here in a little bit. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that super chat button. It makes it very easy for me to see your comment, your question, and as well, it separates it, uh, excuse me, it supports the channel as well as separating into a different category so I can see that comment. All right, quick break, and I'll be back after this to talk about the lineups. Check out Gaglione Bros' famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so as I mentioned before that little break about the offenses, which offense has that higher potential? I would say it's the Padres. Now, you could look at like the big five, I guess. I know it's big three, but you know, That's usually the phrase big three, but you look at like the the main five guys in each of these lineups, just looking based on like OPS, looking at the numbers this year for the Padres, it's Manny, Soto, Bogarts, Tatis, and Crony for the Mets. It's Lindor, Alonzo, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, and Tommy Pham, old friend, Tommy Pham, right? You look at the Padres and they have one guy who has a higher OPS than anyone on the Mets, nine sixteen in Juan Soto you have another in Fernando Tatis Jr 879 OPS that's also better than any uh of those big 5 there on the Mets. I didn't include Jeff McNeil but that's because looking at his year, looking at where he is in the lineup, it's not where Tommy Pham is, for example. Um or you know, and starting with Marte like he's he's one of the big names on this Mets team and I think he's underperforming as well. Um so you look at these two teams and the OPS is for these guys. And I think the Mets, if you look at them, they have more guys, at least of the five, they have more guys with a OPS over 800. The Mets, they have three guys, and Lindor is at 789, his OPS. He's almost at 800. And the Padres, they have Soto and Tatis. That's it, over 800. And Soto's obviously way over 800. So is Tatis, 879. But the Padres, they have a guy at 684 with Crony. They have Manny, who was below 700, 731 now. Bogart, 750. The Mets, they have more guys. It just feels like more consistency. Uh, Lindor, 789. Alonzo, 825 OPS. Nimmo, 821. Marte, 655. But Pham, 850. So maybe a little bit more consistency there. But then when you went at like the, the run differential, right? I said plus 35 for the Padres, plus one for the Mets. I think that is attributed to. The Mets probably struggling pitching-wise uh, a little bit more than the Padres. Uh, actually, a lot more. If you look at the the pitching war, pitching F4, the Padres rank 8th in pitching F4. The Mets, they rank 28th in pitching F4. You look at runs scored, Mets are 14th in runs scored. Padres are 19th. So Mets, a little bit better run production, but the Padres, they're the better pitching staff. They're one of the best top 10 in in you know, looking at the pitching F-4, top 10 in Major League Baseball. And I know the bullpen's been struggling, but they were one of the best in baseball for the majority of the year. And this rotation, it's been really solid. It has. So Padres had the pitching, you know, I-, I talked about the notable absences. I'm thinking that some of those guys are going to come back and be impactful for this Padres team, and I believe in the upside of this Padres offense, and I think the Padres, they have a better pitching staff. I would rather be in the Padres spot than the New York Mets spot. Both teams have the same record, and I'm sure Mets fans could make a case for their team as well over the Padres, Uh, but that's where I'm going. If you want to look at the entirety of these lineups, right? Like, who would you take if you're just going – 1v1. Uh, would you go Francisco Alvarez or Austin Oler or Gary Sanchez? I think you'd go Francisco Alvarez. Would you go Pete Alonso or Jake Cronenworth? Like at first base. You'd go Pete Alonso, right? Jeff McNeil or Hassan Kim. I think we would go Hassan Kim. Francisco Lindor or Xander Bogarts? Some would say Francisco Lindor because you know 789 OPS, it's it's better than Xander Bogarts and his 750. OPS. Uh, But you could probably go either way on that. Third base, Brett Beatty or Manny Machado. I think we would go Manny Machado. Left field, Tommy Famer, Juan Soto. We're going Juan Soto. Center field, Nimmo or Grisham. You're going Nimmo. Right field, Tatis or Marte. You're going Tatis. So it feels like I'm kind of going back and forth here. Catcher, I'm going with the Mets. First base, Mets. But second base, Padres, shortstop. Maybe go Mets, but could go Bogarts if you believe in the second half. Uh, Third base, Padres left field Padres center field Mets right field Padres DH Danny Vogelback for the Mets or would you rather go with the Padres Matt Carpenter I guess or just just uh DH platoon maybe you go Vogelback there but it's pretty balanced there if you compare like 1 versus 1 who would you go with it's pretty balanced there I still looking at the Padres lineup and you look at the names earth Kim being better. Bogarts, Manny, Soto, Tatis against the Mets, Alvarez, Alonso, McNeil, Lindor, Nemo, Marte, Fam. Maybe it's because I don't watch every Mets game, but I would go, I, I would bank on the San Diego Padres potential over the New York Mets. Um, and look at the rotations. I would go with the Padres rotation or over the New York Mets rotation. The Mets, okay, Senga. Has a 331 ERA, Scherzer 403, Verlander 366. Padres top three guys, you should probably say Waka, but he's on the IL. I'll go Snell, Darvish, Musgrove. 303 ERA for Snell, Darvish 484, Musgrove 356. Those aren't like the most impressive numbers, but those numbers, just the ERA does not tell the whole story, especially for someone like Blake Snell and especially for someone like Joe Musgrove. Both of those guys have been pitching like some of the best pitchers in baseball recently. Now you look at the New York Mets, and if we look at Kodai Senga's game logs, just for Padres fans that don't watch the Mets all the time, and this is kind of for me too because I don't watch the Mets all the time, Senga has been pitching much better. His last three outings, he has allowed he has allowed less than two earned runs, uh, or excuse me, two or fewer earned runs in each of his last three outings. But you look at Verlander, you look at Scherzer making $40 million a year. I'm not super encouraged by what I'm seeing from those guys. It was a really rough start. I know Carrasco pitched really well last night against the D-backs. But like Scherzer's year and Verlander's year, we're going to get to see those guys uh, this series. Last start, Scherzer allowed four runs against the D-backs, but then the three starts before that were quality starts, went eight innings on the 19th against Houston. Now you look at Verlander, um, and seven innings, no runs in his last start. Five innings, no. Okay, so he they have been pitching a little bit better as of late, but still overall I think it's been a disappointing up-and-down season for those guys, where you look at the Padres rotation, you look at Musgrove and Snell, like those guys are pitching better consistently as of late. They may have had rough starts, but they're it's not like it's been up-down, you know? I would be okay. I'd be very confident having Scherzer and Verlander go up against Musgrove and Snell and take Musgrove and Snell there. And you take a Padres bullpen, let's say later in the year, the Padres, they have Robert Suarez, they have Steven Wilson, they have Cosgrove, they have Hayter, Nick Martinez. Hopefully this is just kind of like a dead arm period. He's just overworked maybe a little bit. Same with Tim Hill. Have them. I'm probably taking the Padres pitching over the Mets pitching. And then again, with the potential of the Padres lineup, I'd probably take that over the New York Mets. Um, I know I went in a a lot of different directions there, but you know these two teams are close. And so I thought this was a fascinating discussion to have and just to break down the numbers here, where does each team stand? Uh, Because you look at the record and it's like, yeah, both teams are underwhelming, but it's a little bit different reasons why both teams are underwhelming. You look at the Padres, offense, inconsistency, bullpen as of late. But then you look at the Mets, probably the lineup hasn't been in as it hasn't been as good as you want it to if you're a Mets fan, but it's really been the pitching that has you know been a place where it, it should be much better. And that's the notable flaw, it seems like, of this team. Both teams have owners that are willing to spend money that are fans of the team, not just viewing it as a business. Steve Cohen, obviously, with the Mets, Peter Sidler with the Padres. Uh, I think. Both managers, right, very experienced managers, Buck Showalter with the Mets, not a huge fan of his, obviously, just like a lot of Padres fans, after what he did to Joe Musgrove and Three of the wildcard series last year, but whatever, uh, hopefully we shove it up his you-know-what this series, and then Bob Melvin with the Padres, experienced manager as well. So there's some common things here. I mean, you look at even Billy Epler with, with the Mets, right, GM of the Mets. He was, I think, a runner-up in the Padres' GM hunt when Preller was hired as the GM for the Padres way back in, what, 2014? You know? So, uh, yeah, there's there's some similarities here, some connections with these two teams. And it's going to be a fascinating series. And so uh, I'll get to the chat here after this break and preview more of this Padres' Mets series. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code, Friars, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right. Did I go through the Mets bullpen enough? You know, I was thinking during that break, maybe, you know, because I mentioned the Padres bullpen and all that, but the Mets like, so we know the starting pitching, I think it's been a little bit inconsistent for the Mets, the bullpen. No, Edwin Diaz don't know when he's coming back and they don't have multiple relievers coming back. You look at the, I, the IL for the Mets, it's Edwin Diaz for the bullpen where the Padres there's Wilson and there's Suarez that can come back. Maybe some reinforcements as well. The Mets can make reinforcements, but again, we're talking about like right now, who would you rather be knowing like who's in the organization that can come back? I think that's, that's part of it. Um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Again, this series, previewing this series here real quick. Justin Verlander on the mound for the Mets tonight. Yu Darvish on the mound for the Padres. 640, first pitch. Those are obviously two big names. Yu Darvish might end up being a Hall of Famer. I think Justin Verlander is definitely uh, headed to Cooperstown. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a packed building. It's going to be packed, I would assume, the entire weekend. So that should be a fun series opener. Uh, Saturday, David Peterson on the mound for the Mets, Blake Snell on the mound for the Padres 710. So not 540, 710, a little bit later of a start. I would say that that is a game on Saturday that you, you feel like the Padres need to win, you know, especially Padres fans that they don't really know who David Peterson is. He's not the ace of the Mets or anything like that. And Blake Snell, he is the Padres best pitcher right now. He just won the June nationally pitcher of the month. This guy has been dominant as of late. You go, th- let's go through his game logs here real quick, just as a refresher here, previewing this series because it's sometimes you know it can get old about continuing to talk about Blake Snell when he's struggling and the inconsistency, but it doesn't get old talking about him when he's dominating like this. That's for sure. Uh, it goes all the way back to May 25th, that start against the Nationals, where if you remember, in Washington. Padres won that game 8-6. He got himself into some trouble. Like, there were there were base runners there. But he ended up getting out of those jams. He walked four guys. Four hits allowed in that outing, but he only gave up one run. Next outing, six innings, no runs. Next outing, six innings, no runs. Next outing, seven innings, one run. Next outing, six innings, no runs. Next outing, six innings, no runs. Next outing, six innings, two runs. And then his last outing, July 3rd against the Angels, the series opener there, five innings, no runs. Again, that was an outing where he allowed base runners, 100 pitches, walked four guys, allowed seven hits. So that was like even – there was more traffic there than that May 25th start against the Nats, but he got out of trouble. He found ways to get ground balls when he needed to, almost got a triple play, I believe, in that game. So he is finding ways to get out of trouble when he needs to. That's what those great pitchers are able to do. Uh, because hitters are going to adjust, they're gonna to try to adjust as much as they can to you. Now, can you make those adjustments? And Blake has been able to do that, so props to him. Um, so that is on Saturday. You just look at the pitching matchup there, and it's like, yeah, feels like that's that's a must-win game right there. Sunday, Scherzer against Musgrove. I'm I'm looking forward to tonight, obviously, Verlander Darvish, but Sunday, Scherzer, we know how much of a competitor he is and Joe Musgrove pitching against the Mets obviously is this for the first time did he pitch no was he i don't think he was available in New York right like at Citi Field earlier this year uh but against the Mets this might be the first time that he's facing them i think it is the first time that he's facing the New York Mets since game 3 of the wild card series we all know what happened there clinching game for the Padres, Musgrove dominated the Mets, Buck Showalter late in the outing. Well, first inning, he was checking the balls of Joe Musgrove, not literally, not the the balls, but the baseballs Joe was throwing. He was checking them and already being suspicious there. Then he waited till like the When was that? The sixth inning, something like that. Waited till then to have the umpires go check Joe Musgrove's ears and check everything. When his team was already down, like Musgrove had already shoved, he'd pretty much already done his job. He still pitched after that, but he pretty much had done everything there. It was way too late to be checking him. If he was going to do that, go check him in like the third inning, not the sixth. So that was, it was done both ways. Like, why are you checking him? You're, You're making it seem like he's cheating, and you did it late. So that's on you. You look like an idiot there. But first time since that happened, you know, Joe dominates there. And uh, yeah, he's going to be motivated for sure. You know, he was motivated for that July 4th outing against Shohei Otani and he outdueled him and won that game, obviously got a lot of offense support there. And here's another one where he's going to be motivated, obviously against the Mets last game before the all-star break, wants probably to have some good vibes going into that all-star break for the Padres. And we'll see what he can do. I would expect him to have a quality start at minimum. Uh, I, I have a really good feeling about what Joe is going to give t- for the Padres on Sunday. Yeah. Scherzer Musgrove can't get much better than that. Right. Last game before the all-star break Sunday day game at Petco seven innings, one run Musgrove in his last outing, three hits, 11 punch outs. you G- did give up that home run. I believe to Hunter Renfro, but for him, you go back, it was the same road trip, From Snow. I think it was the day after Snow, right? May 26th against the Yankees. That Friday game, six and a third, one run against the Yanks. Ever since then, he's been pitching like Joe Musgrove, like the real Joe Musgrove, quality start after quality start. Five innings, one run on June 6th, but every other outing has been at least six innings, three runs allowed or less in all of those outings. And no, he has not pitched against the Mets yet since game three of that wild card series. So should be a great matchup. Obviously there's firepower on both sides offensively and both teams want to win this series because going into the all-star break, how are you going to feel? So Padres, they win three in a row, but if they lose this series, they're going to end up being what 42 and 48, six games under, you know, you were five. Now you're digging your hole back deeper instead of, trying to get back out of out of that hole, right? And the Mets, you won five in a row. You're probably feeling better than the Padres are right now about yourself. And if you lose this series, then it's like, well, just like the Padres, again, same records, just like the Padres, you're digging that hole back. You know, you're you're making a deeper hole for yourselves after you were digging out of the hole, you know? So, yeah, both teams, I'm sure that they really want to take home this series. All right enough of me blabbing about this series. Let's talk to you, the chat. Let's see what the chat wants. If you want to join the show, I totally forgot to plug this. You can click the link that's pinned in the chat. If you have any questions, any comments about the Padres, uh, deadline plans, whatever, put them in the chat or join the show. You can use my code talking $20 off on SeatGeek. Click that link, breakingT.com, in my description for great San Diego sports swag. Padres, Aztecs, Wave. All right, Devin says Verlander, Darvish, going to be popcorn show for sure tonight. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I love great pitching matchups. I know maybe fans don't go to the ballpark anymore. Be, you know, look at the be, because it's like based on the matchup. I feel like maybe my parents probably could p- speak better to this, or the older Padre fan could probably speak better to this than me. But you look at the matchup and it's like, Oh, big star pitchers. I'm going to go get a ticket for tonight's game. I feel like it's more about like the, the star position players now than what just the pitching matchup is. Maybe that's because pitchers don't go as deep as much anymore, but this is one of those where it's like, yeah, these are two guys that are going to battle tonight. You know, same thing with Sunday with Scherzer and with Musgrove. All right, let's see. What some are saying here, Dinos five one five O says helps to play versus overrated Otani. Oh, you're talking about the Padres, yeah. And you're trying to make a uh, a joke on me about what I said, overrated Otani. Yeah, well, I was joking. I, I'm I'm still, it still makes me laugh uh, about how many people saw that tweet where I said. Shohei went 0 for 10 against the Padres, and I put the overrated gif there as a joke. Clearly, like, how can anyone say that Shohei is overrated and actually be serious about it? So it was hilarious how many people thought I was serious about that when I I put that out there. It's so funny. Or you know I'm joking. You just want to try to dunk on me or whatever because for some reason you don't like me, even though I've never met some people, you know. So whatever. I, yeah, I don't even, I I saw some of the reaction on social media. I don't care. Like, whatever. Um, No, I don't think Shohei Otani is overrated. As I said the other day, he's the best player I've ever seen. This guy is amazing. I would love him to be on the Padres. Like, I just thought it was great that the Padres held him hitless and was joking around. I guess, guess you can't do that on social media anymore. My bad. Um, let's see here. Devin says, I'm just not convinced the Mets will be good enough in the long run to get to the playoffs. They will fall back. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a tough climb. It's going to be a tough climb for either team because look, if you look at the standings, the Padres, they're going to have to, and the Mets, they're going to have to get over the Milwaukee, which you could say, yeah, they can do that. But Milwaukee is 47 and 41. they are six games over. The Padres are five games under. The Mets are five games under. Like that's a lot of ground. Giants, 47-40. Phillies, 47 and 39. Dodgers, 49 and 38. The Marlins. Skip Schumacher and the Marlins 51 and 38. They have a negative run differential. But run differential doesn't say everything. You can blow out teams uh and have a great run differential and not have a great record. Look at the Padres, right? So yeah, Devin, I mean, I think Mets fans would want to make that case about the Padres as well. Like they're not convinced the Padres will be good enough because look, look at, I don't blame them if you have that thought, like look at the Padres this season offensively, have they been able to do the job well enough consistently? No. Look at how the bullpen has performed as of late, you know, the injuries, it's not a guarantee that those guys are going to come back and be great. And it's not. Uh, But I'm just, I'm trying to be optimistic and bank on those guys coming back and really helping this team. And the talent in this lineup, you know, starting to be better consistently. Yeah. Athens, uh, Athens, sorry. Allen says Ethan Salas in the comments. He has been great in the minor leagues, huh? He just turned 17, right? And I saw Lake else with Lake Elsinore. he's hit four home runs, I think in his last three games and he's 17. So this is like Tatis, it feels like. You know how Tatis was really skinny? Obviously, when the Padres first got him as a young teenager with the White Sox, hadn't played in the minor leagues, he's only going to get stronger. And so if he's already doing this, remember those spring training at-bats, those couple spring training abs that he had and hit that ball hard to second base, like, and he was catching for Ryan Weathers in spring training? He's only going to get better. He's only going to get bigger, I would think, only going to get stronger only going to get smarter baseball wise. And it seems like he's already very smart. So yeah, I know sky is the limit gets tossed around a lot, but for Ethan Salas, I feel like that fits that for him for sure. Uh, Mark asks how long realistically till Ethan Salas plays his first big league game. I would say uh, what's so 2023 right now, probably. And I want to be fair to him. I don't want to put, these like huge expectations on him and be like, you've got to be in the big leagues next year. So I'm going to say a few years, I'll say like 2026. Is 2025 pushing it? Maybe, but the Padres, they probably want that goal in mind. They want to have that as the goal because they want to shoot for the stars. And then if he doesn't make it 2025, whatever he's what, how old would he be? 19 at the catching position. You know, it, it takes a while to develop. For just guys that aren't 17 and they're coming out of high school or college or whatever in the minor leagues, you know? So I would say a few years. I think that's fair. Devin asks if the Padres continue to win moving forward, should the Padres be buyers now? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's one series, right? Against the Angels. And again, the Angels were compromised, but I feel like some of the fan base is now transitioning to, yeah, let's go for it. For me, I'm still in the, it's probably best to get something back for Hater or Snell if things continue to trend the way they are. And the recent trend obviously is them playing well, but I'm talking about obviously full season, the offense still as a whole underwhelming. I think it's been disappointing. They, they're There's still five games under 500. You know, we shouldn't act like this team's five games over. So if they still are under 500 and, they're not close to being two 500 and they're not consistently winning series up to the deadline. Maybe you're not seeing the production still from the offense. If you're not seeing that, then I don't think you should be going all in and buying. But if you do see some better things, better signs from the offense, you get Suarez back, you get Wilson back and the bullpen's doing better. The rotation's still strong then, I mean, Seidler, he's the most optimistic person on the planet. So yeah, he's going to want to buy. He wants to buy now. It seems like AJ Preller wants to buy now, obviously. So they're not going to switch their mindset. I think they only switch their mindset if things really go wrong here in July and they dig that hole deeper and deeper and deeper instead of staying around the same point where they are right now. So hopefully that answers, answers that question, Devin. Uh, he also asked about the Mets. Do you see them being buyers? I, I see the same thing. Steve Cohen, he did talk to the media. Um, was it last week? And he did mention that like he is preparing his front office to be able to sell if needed. Like he he's preparing them, he's telling them to prepare for all scenarios. And I'm sure that's what AJ's doing, but they're not going to say that publicly. Like, yeah, we're, we're planning to sell. Um, So hopefully they're, they're, they have contingency plans in place. But yeah, the Mets, I don't think Steve Cohen, obviously he doesn't want to sell because look how much money he spent on this team. And Peter Seidler doesn't want to sell. But if it's clear you're not going to be a World Series team this year, then why are you trying? Like, you should put your efforts towards trying and going all in for the next season, right? I think that makes the most sense. So I could see the Mets being buyers. Uh, I could see them being sellers at the deadline. I could see the Padres doing both as well. I think right now I would lean towards the Padres and the Mets both buying at the deadline. To the degree of them buying, I don't know. Like, are they going to go get Marcus Stroman? You know, someone like that. Are they going to buy at the top of the market, or are they going to kind of buy in the middle? You know, make some moves on the margins, maybe an extra reliever or something like that. All right, let's see. Yeah, it's going to be a tough series. I see Manny in the comments. Mets five-game win streak. Going to be a tough series. We might lose today and win the next two. Who knows how Darvish will pitch today after the flu. Yeah, that's a storyline as well. Like Darvish coming on. This is the first time that he started since when? June 20-something, I think. Didn't start in that Pittsburgh series, right? He was expected to. Then he had the flu, the weather push back continue to push back and so yeah we'll see how he does should we expect a quality start out of Darvish maybe we should expect him to not give up four runs you know give up three or less runs but innings wise pitch count wise should we expect Darvish to pit go 100 pitches tonight I'm probably not expecting that going into tonight coming off an off day bullpen fresh you have snow going tomorrow you have Musgrove the next day I think they don't want to push it with Darvish coming off of this. Um, but I, I think that they can still win this game. yeah. I think they can do something. Look, was Otani at the at his best? No, but they were able to beat Otani. They've been able to beat some good pitchers this year. So they can do it. You can make the case that they can sweep the series. I think they'll win the series. I like the Musgrove and the Snell matchup Saturday, Sunday. If there's a game that, yeah, they'll probably lose. Like if you if they had to lose a game, you'd probably point to tonight. Um, so yeah, good points. D Gomez says gonna be a great series. I hope so. Uh Ace Gang, what happened to Suarez? So Suarez, he this was in spring training right he was throwing and then got shut down for a little bit and then i believe he started resuming throwing and then they shut him down again and so yeah it's just been the elbow he's been out for a while now and so he's just starting to ramp back up i guess like in terms of like pitching in games pitching he's he threw bullpens recently and now i believe he's just starting to get into rehab games so we'll see when he comes back after the all-star break at some point is when he's expected to be back. Mark with the super chat. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much, Mark. Uh, I appreciate your insight and baseball knowledge. I found your channel randomly in the offseason, but I've become a regular viewer because you provide great information and perspective. I thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. I really do appreciate that. Um, look, I'm someone that loves this team, and I'm not someone that's going to do this just for money or whatever. Like this is really a passion of mine. I mean, if anyone goes and looks at this YouTube channel, uh, a couple years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, it didn't look like this. It didn't have some sponsors on here. Uh, there was, I started this recording it on zoom and just posting it on YouTube. So it is grown. And I was doing that and not getting paid anything. So, I'm a Padres fan. My family has season tickets. If you're just joining the show and you didn't know some of my background, like, yeah, I'm a diehard Padres fan, love San Diego sports as well. That's why I've added the San Diego sports part of it at the end of shows. And we'll get to some of that here in a little bit. I love talking with fans and because this is a passion of ours. And we really, really love uh, this team, the Padres. And we love, some of us love other San Diego sports teams as well. So, yeah it's it brings me a lot of joy doing these shows with you guys
0: hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting
1: Uh, Devin asks, are you worried about Nick Martinez? Um, I think you have to be worried about him a little bit because of just what we've seen as of late, but I'm not, I'm not at like a seven out of the 10 or something like that. I'm, I'm probably under a five to be honest. Yeah. It hasn't been, it has not looked great. And he's throwing beach balls up there right now, but I'm hoping that this is just kind of like, well, he's been overused, maybe a little bit dead arm period. And he's just had to throw. And this all star break is going to change it up here. It's going to be a blessing for him. And he is going to come back and pitch really, really well. That's what I'm hoping for Nick Martinez because we have seen it. He's been, he's pitched really well for the Padres in the past out of the bullpen. We saw it last year. He was a high leverage guy for the Padres. He has been a high leverage guy for the Padres, even this season. It hasn't worked out recently but it's in there. We know it's in there. He is a competitor. He cares so much. You can tell. So I still believe that it's, it's, it's in there. It will be back. Uh, It's, it's just one of those rough stretches, rough stretches. Most, most relievers go through rough stretches. You know, there's not a whole lot of those Josh haters in baseball. You know, you're going to go through some rough stretches. All right. Let's get to, some other San Diego sports topics here with San Diego state. There was another piece that came out from Mark Ziegler in the San Diego union tribune. And this is kind of going into the details more into why the mountain West thinks that San Diego state is gone. And they're requiring San Diego state to pay them the $17 million exit fee. As of now, there's going to be a meeting later this month, July 17th meeting that hopefully will resolve this whole issue Is state in the Mountain West? Do they owe anything? Is the Mountain West going to say that they're not in the conference? Like, what the heck is the situation here? Hopefully, July 17th, that can get clarified. Uh, But Mark Ziegler yesterday writes in the San Diego Union-Tribune, a week before President Adela Torre sent a June 13th letter to her counterparts in the Mountain West to formally notice that San Diego State University intends to resign from the conference. She was at the University of Hawaii for a summer board meeting with presidents and athletic directors. On the second day of the summer board meeting, board meetings on that campus, during a closed session with the Commissioner Gloria Navarez of the Mountain West and 11 other presidents, not the athletic directors, President De La Torre discussed San Diego State's plans to leave the Mountain West for the Pac-12 or another power conference. One conference source told Mark Ziegler, basically, she said her goodbyes. And so that's where the Mountain West can say, well, remember that meeting, President De La Torre, on that campus, University of Hawaii, where you were saying your goodbyes, essentially, and thanking the Mountain West for the time? You combine that with your letter to us saying that you intend to leave the conference That's us interpreting that as you have left, you're leaving the conference, you have left, you owe us $17 million. Now, San Diego State can say, we never officially said we are leaving, or that we have never officially sent in a resignation letter. We were just hoping to explore options, maybe get an extension on that June 30th deadline. That's what that was from San Diego State's point of view. And so, like I said, I think I've said this before, San Diego State and the Mountain West they can do they can say some things that, that can make it make them look good in this situation. San Diego State can say we never left. We don't owe you 17 million dollars. And they can get an invite from the Pac 12 and then say okay we'll just join them in 2025 right 2025 2026 that year. The Mountain West can say no look at all of these signs that you were saying your goodbyes you were intending to leave You have left. We interpret that as you have left the conference. You owe us $17 million. You know? Or if San Diego State, let's say they get a Pac-12 invite and they leave, San Diego State can say, okay, well, we're leaving for 24-25 because you think that we left the conference. And so we owe you $17 million, even though it's after June 30th. The Mountain West can say, if that happens, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said that you never left the conference. So you owe us $34 million. So they can go back and forth on this thing. So I just don't know how the heck this thing's going to end. I would think the San Diego State's going to be in the Mountain West still for 24, 25. The Mountain West, again, like I said the other day, the Mountain West should want San Diego State to be in the conference. They're the best team in the conference pretty much across the the sport, all the sports, San Diego state basketball, obviously football. It's It's one of the main teams. Like it's the flagship program for the mountain West conference. They should want San Diego state. They should be happy that San Diego state is probably going to be there for an additional year. And who knows what the heck happens in the future. I know they're trying to get the money out of this, but they would still get $17 million in an exit fee. If San Diego state ends up leaving, so just be happy that San Diego State's in the conference. That's how I kind of see this. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. July 17th is that meeting where hopefully there's going to be some clarification coming out of that. All right, and then San Diego Wave, they played this Saturday against the Washington Spirit, 7 p.m. You can get your ticket, San Diego Wave FC, their website. Ashley Hatch and the Washington Spirit coming in to Snapdragon Stadium. Uh, facing Taylor Korniak, Jaden Shaw, and the San Diego Wave. There's also some news with a San Diego Wave player, superstar Alex Morgan. This was announced today. Alex Morgan and Lindsey Horan, they have been named captains of the U.S. Women's National Team for the 2023 World Cup. Head coach Vlatko Andonovski announced that today. They are obviously replacing Becky Sauerbrunn, was missing the World Cup due to a foot injury that news when that news came down I was heartbroken for her obviously and it just stinks because she it seems like she is just such a great human being a great teammate but Morgan and Haran now they get the opportunity to be co-captains when Haran is on the pitch with Morgan Haran's going to be wearing the armband and if Haran's not on then Morgan will be the captain. But it's great. Both have a lot of experience, obviously. Morgan, over 200 caps, uh, over 120 goals, her fourth World Cup. Haran over 100 caps, almost 30 goals. It'll be her second World Cup. So they have experience. Uh, Vlatko saying, we have a lot of leaders on this team among the young players and the veteran players. And among those, Lindsay and Alex have vast experience in big games, and they understand what it takes to win at the highest levels they're ultimate professionals and understand all the factors that go into having a united and motivated team. I know they will represent us well on and off the field at the World Cup. I cannot wait. Morgan, she has captained the United States Women's National Team 22 times previously and she's obviously captain of the San Diego Wave. Noma Germa, she's also on the US Women's National Team obviously and I think her and Morgan have a chance to be the most valuable pieces to this U.S. Women's National Team roster in this World Cup, Germa obviously as one of the center backs, uh, you know the Becky Sauerbrunn void having to fill that with Alana Cook, going to be super valuable there. Her first World Cup, and then Alex Morgan, the only real striker on the team, the, the real nine, um, and so she's going to hopefully play a huge part in this, um, and I'm excited. And with the wave, like. Morgan, we know how much of a big piece she is to the San Diego Wave. We know how much of a big piece that Naomi Gurma is to the San Diego Wave. So I have no doubt that they're going to show that in this World Cup. And we know that the Wave are missing those two players. Like, there's definitely, you can feel that. Um, And you can see that when they're playing uh, in a few matches here. But I do, I am confident in their depth. Like I have said, I'm confident that the Wave, they will win some games here while the two are away. Even if it's just challenge cup matches, I feel good about this Saturday against Washington. I think the more experience that these players have with playing with each other, the better and the more that they will get more comfortable and the more success that is going to come. So that's the latest from San Diego wave and U.S. Women's national team, Alex Morgan, again, named one of the captains as the U.S. Women's national team goes into the world cup starting later this month. Can't wait for that. All right. Any more comments here? Marcus says, Padres win today, so you have a better chance to win the series should be the mindset. Well, I think the mindset, don't even think about the other two games of this series. Go 1-0 today. I think the 2019 Nationals had that motto or whatever. Go 1-0 today. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, the coaching staff has to, front office, you know, bullpen and all that, but the players on the field, don't worry about that. Worry about today. Go one and oh today. Do whatever you can to win today's game. And then you can reset and go win tomorrow's game. And reset, go win the game after that. And then you have a break. You know, the Padres and the Mets, I'm sure they have to think like this too. Go one and out every day because they've dug themselves a hole. Don't look at the they can't be, we can do it. But they shouldn't be looking at the record and where they stand in the standings. You're not going to be a postseason team if, you, if you're going to be under 500. So get above 500, and you're, then you'll be feeling good about yourselves. Again, that, that 1-0, go 1-0 mentality. I think that's important for this Padres team. All right, that's episode 424 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden here signing off. Thank you all for the support. I appreciate it. Whether you're listening on the podcast or you're on YouTube. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Maybe I'll see some of you this weekend at the ballpark. Have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to y'all later. See ya.